to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the great state of Mississippi, Mark Valencia on the phone. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. Very much appreciated. Glad to be here. Mark, we're going to be talking about something that, honestly, I had a guest on a few weeks ago. We call her Jane Doe. She was calling about uh, her son was sexually abused by a priest. She didn't find out for many years. She was wondering what was going on. And she told her story. What a great guest she was. Very difficult subject to talk about. And then you contacted me. You heard about what she did. And you're like, I went through this. I'm an advocate for people who have been sexually abused. And I want to tell my story. So thank you so much for coming on and volunteering to talk about such a difficult subject. Yes, I'm glad to do it. And hopefully it'll help somebody out there in your listening audience. That's the most important thing about this. I tell people all the time, whether it be a, a police officer who was horribly mutilated and injured or someone who's a victim of a crime or someone who was a spouse of someone who died in the line of duty, whatever it was, these are horrific situations that occur. But in all these stories of these people, we hear a great deal about what happened and in particular how they got to where they're at today, rebuilding their lives, getting to a point where they want to be. And to be honest with you, I think in those stories, there's a lot of inspiration that everyone can use. Right. So I'm sure it's going to help someone, maybe someone that's going through what you went through, maybe family members, maybe people who are just having a difficult time with another situation in life. Uh, Before we get lost in that, Let's go ahead and give some background information. Uh, you were sexually abused as a young boy? I was uh, sexually abused at, starting at the age of 12 years old, and it lasted about three, three and a half years. By my parish priest, I was an altar boy, and uh, he was like a breath of fresh air in a little town that I grew up in in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, he was real charismatic and a different 
kind of guy and just automatically were drawn to him, myself and many others. As it turns out, he's a serial rapist and uh, continued, had acted out before me and after me and was merely just moved around from parish to parish and allowed to do harm to many, many children. That's an absolute travesty that these things occur. And when I talked with Jane Doe, I, I grew up Catholic. I, I went to a seminary. I really thought strongly about becoming a priest, but for reasons of celibacy, I decided that wasn't a calling for me. And I decided to go into police work. That was my second vocation, for lack of better words. And I'd gotten something from a friend from the Diocese of, of Richmond, Virginia, where I grew up, and they had lists of priests that were accusations of sexual abuse, molestation, rape, and they had the top 20, which are all sustained or found guilty or admitted to it. And that top 20, Mark, were four priests that I had many, many years experience with and was very, very close to. And I'm sitting here going, it really played with my head because I know guys that went through this. I since found out later on in life, nothing happened to me. I'm grateful, but it was like getting punched in the stomach, this stark reality that this happens, and it happens all over the United States, maybe all over the world. Well, as it stands today, the group that I'm associated with, which is SNAP, Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, and I've been the, a coordinator for uh, 15 years and it's, it is widespread, and it's all over the world. And our uh, organization has actually opened up to other denominations. I attended a leaders' meeting in Houston in January. We had Mormons. We had Southern Baptists. We had Jehovah's Witnesses there. So you have these closed societies and these secretive-type situations that the outside world don't know what's what's really going on there, and you stand for the Word of God, then you've got a, the makings of a travesty you do. when it, it comes to children. You really do. And I say so that we have news articles after articles after articles on our website. Go to letradioshow.com. We have teachers doing this. I hate to say this. We've had police officers doing this, scout leaders. We have... Every walk of clergy from every denomination you can imagine doing this. We have family members. It seems as if the child molestation, and I can't, I can think of other words to use, but I can't use them on the radio. It seems to me that while maybe we didn't talk about it when I was a kid, it seems to be everywhere now. Well, what's going on is that. Brave survivors are coming forward and exposing this in all walks of life. Just recently, you know, this guy, this movie mogul, got found guilty, and he had been up to no good for several years and was able to cover up his crimes using his rich bank role and, and using non-disclosure agreements. And the Catholic Church used those on many occasions where people came forward and there were discussions there, and there's non-disclosure agreements being used in other denominations. I just happened to come from the Catholic side of it, and, and, and I've had some experience 
with that and trying to hold people accountable has been almost unbelievable, the road to try to get to the bottom of this. It's just a, a long a long road of denial. It's gone on in the Boy Scouts recently. For whatever reason, the Catholic Church, under canon law, they're required to keep records, so there's an extensive record of all this. And when the civil authorities have been able to get into those records, it's become systematic that these people were moved around and, you know, were allowed to continue to do what they did. And when people came forward, because the average age, this is the thing that must be said, the average age for people to come forward with this is 52 years old when they start dealing with it. This is happening when they're much, much younger. They're coming forward later in life. We'll talk a lot about why when we return. We're talking with Mark Valencia. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website. LETRadioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Current conversation with Mark Valencia. Mark is an advocate for SNAP. I'll let him tell you what that is and what it stands for because I don't want to get it wrong. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Mark is a survivor of being sexually molested as a young boy, as a teenager, by a Catholic priest. Earlier, before we went to break, Mark, you mentioned that a lot of the average age for people coming forward is, is later in life. And these incidents are occurring when they're much, much younger. Uh, you were about 12 years old when they started, correct? That's correct. And, and you know, uh, I represent SNAP, which is Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. And I'm an advocate and been an advocate for the last 15 years. So, yeah, it started with me at 12 years old. Uh, I didn't even know what the word molestation meant. I was grew up in a little one-horse town in Mississippi Delta and was – we didn't have everything in the world there and not exposed to greater things in the world at large. Uh, 
So I didn't know what a pedophile was. I'd never heard of such talk. And so when this got started, it was, and of course, there was a several months of grooming that went along and attention being paid to us. And uh, I say us because there are other victims in my town. I, For whatever reason, I'm one of very few that has come public with it. I talked to these other guys, and some of them are related to me. They choose not to do anything and don't want to go public. But uh, I, I guess it's part of my recovery that I talk about this, and uh, it seems to help my own journey. And I can understand why some don't want to talk about it, and I can understand why some do. And I, I appreciate you doing what you do, because a lot of people need help with this. It, it, is it something that usually they can't handle very well on their own? Well, I've I've been in discussions with different people all over, and I've had different reactions. I mean, I we actually, when we started this movement and went public here in the state of Mississippi, we actually had some active Catholics, you know, that uh, were speaking out against us and our movement. And as it turns out, uh, one of those people that were being very vocal continued to have a relationship with this guy all the way up to the the priest's death. And so he he was adamantly defending him, but at some later date, he finally broke down and confessed to his wife that he had also been molested by this guy. So you're going to have different people handling it in different ways. His way to handle it was to deny it completely and actually go on the attack of others. And I've come into contact with that phenomenon on several occasions. And I, I understand, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand. Here's, here's an example. I'm going to use police officers as an example. I'm a retired police sergeant. I, I got into it with a guy just the other day. He wanted to say that his claim, his perspective, was that police can't police their own. So when they do something bad, whether it be illegal, immoral, or unethical, nothing ever happens. And I said, that was not my experience. And we got into it a little bit. So I can defend police, and I do it all the time. I do it every day, and we'll do it from our last dying breath. But the same token, when one of them does something vicious, criminal, corrupt, I'm coming after them with with everything I got. So you, it doesn't have to be either or. And, and I see a lot of people that take the position of you're attacking the church when actually you're attacking the individual and the individuals that covered for them. That's correct. And, you know, that's a, that's the craziness of it all. I mean, there's a, a huge movement within in the church, you know, that want these things changed and want them the church a hierarchy to be transparent. And uh, so there's a large lay movement out there to open up everything and let the light shine on it so people can move forward, which I agree with them. I'm not Catholic anymore. I went through a process of figuring out, you know, my spiritual side, and I just soon keep that personal. Yeah. But I'm not a Catholic anymore. But if my efforts will help the Catholic Church be a safer place for children, then I'm all for it. Me too. And 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 keeping them uh, accountable, and anytime they stumble and I see it, I'm going to do like you said. I'm going to call them out on it. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, they, there's just different methods 
they've used the statute of limitations to limit people in their options of reaching any justice. They use, like I said earlier, non-disclosure agreements that silence people. Uh, there's all there's been a whole, and you know, I must say this: there's this extra layer, not like a policeman. There's this extra layer of these people being godly and uh, being able to use that. I mean, when I uh, and I'll just along with my story, uh, I went to a parish priest. I was active in eight, 1985 and revealed to him that this had taken place. I was put in therapy with a pre, uh, excuse me, a non-therapist, psychologist. And uh, one day I got angry and I said, you know, I'm going to take some action against the church at some point. And she gave it to me that that would be a grave era and a large sin and, you know, just put me back into my gray area, my dark spot. How old were you when this is going on? Oh, I was I was uh, forty years. Uh, I was thirty five years old. Did you did point. you find when you had that happen that you kind of reverted back to that? Well, they're the authority, and I'm not, and I'm going to do what they say. Kind of roll. Exactly. I just fell back into place, and you know, this was a powerful person, and uh, you know, I was at, I was actually reaching out to the church for help because I didn't realize the structure and the dynamics of the cover-up. And so, you know, not knowing, I brought it up to my parish priest. He got angry about it, asked me to report it, and I did. In 1985, I reported it to the vicar general. They sent me to a therapist. After that took place where she chastised me for saying what I did, I just quit going, and eventually... You know, I just backed away from the church. It was the only way I could handle it. And then in 1998, I had a full-blown nervous breakdown. And in the process of healing through that, uh, it was revealed again. And it just happened that my therapist, where I was in the hospital, was a former priest. And he got very angry and upset. And, you know, I got into some real regular therapy and... I was instructed that I was going to have to confront this head on. And that's what I did. And when I did that, I was denied again by the, the church. We're the bishop. I actually sh- met with the bishop. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Mark Valencia. We're talking about a very difficult subject. Uh, he was sexually abused, molested, raped, whatever terminology you want to use as a teenager by a priest. And he, we're going to talk about the incident, how his life changed after that, and then more importantly, what it's taken for him to get to where he is at today. Very difficult conversation, but it's one that needs to be had. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. If you want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today Show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Mark Valencia on the Law Enforcement Today Show. 
Mark was sexually abused, molested in a predatory fashion by uh, his parish priest. Beginning when you were, what, 12 years of age when it started? 12 years old, yes. First time I ever saw him, I was in a Little League baseball game, and he showed up without his collar on, and which was just way out of place for that time in the 60s. And, uh, you know, you were instantly, like I said earlier, was instantly attracted. All of us as young people were excited about his charismatic nature, and one thing led to another, and then the abuse started with me and many others in my community. So the guy ended up, like I said, being a serial molester and uh, was, as it turns out, was moved over uh, into different parishes and allowed to continue his crimes. He, uh, I know 20 of his victims personally, so uh, he had a terrible history. But moving on and talking about my recovery, after I fell apart in 98, one day I was so, I was having uh, panic attacks. I was having uh, flashbacks. And I, you know, I uh, never forgot about this. Like, I wasn't suppressing it. I just, it just caught up with me in a large way. And I just fell apart. I mean, I couldn't even get the covers off of a computer one day that I had been working on for years. And it was just, I mean, I, I was just really falling apart. And when I went into the hospital, I was under some good care and eventually was able to face up to it, got into some good therapy, put on medication for a while. I eventually got off of that. I started trying to hold the church accountable. I brought staff to Mississippi, me and one other survivor, and we we took some action legally, and I won't get into all that back in the 2000s, and I've continued to be available for people here in Mississippi and there are people in the state that were molested as children here and all over the country that have moved here. They're still suffering. And so I do this pretty much on a daily basis. Um, I'm oh, working with uh, three fellows right now that were molested by a Franciscan friar who was their principal. Uh, so, you know, it, it's ongoing. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that this guy groomed you and the others and it, it wasn't like hey how you doing you're an altar boy and boom it, it took a while it was a process these guys and from my limited experience i say guys men women male female teachers doesn't matter where they're at they work really hard at learning how to blend in and how to manipulate the most impressionable of our society meaning our youngsters and it appears to me they do this at a time where quite honestly a lot of people don't believe a 12 13 14 year old when they say something especially what seems to be happening is a lot of these young men and women when it occurs they go from good kids to all of a sudden they're in and out of trouble legal trouble disciplinary problems drinking drugs alcohol whatever it might be and people say well that's so-and-so they're wild you can't believe a thing they say well, uh, I, and I know I've met a, a ton of survivors who have gone down the route of drug abuse, alcohol abuse. I'd say my biggest problem has been, uh, you know, I'm not real good at relationships, real close relationships. It's a, a real chore. I've suffered from what is not a, a clinical 
definition, but it's the best thing that I can describe to you is called imposter syndrome. It's where you feel like you're, you've got this large secret because that's what I felt like for, because in the grooming process, which we just brought up, part of what was going on was to make it my fault, you know, and to give the impression that it was an equal opportunity type deal. But he groomed the community. He groomed the, the parish. He groomed my parents. And then, you know, we went to the rectory. There were, he loved sports. So we were all into sports. He would put up posters back in the day when you, people had black lights and we had these reflective posters and he'd have these altar boy parties and it'd be cookouts. This was the grooming process. And then gifts started coming in. He gave me a, uh, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but he gave me a bass guitar, which was like out of way off the uh, mark for, for a kid like me to experience. My parents couldn't afford that and would have never bought me a bass guitar. That should have been a, a big but, red flag, but at the time, it probably didn't feel that way it, to you, did it? Hey, my, they were just like everybody. They were They got groomed, and he was just, you know, this breath of fresh air that swooped into town, and... You know, we don't have to worry about the kids. They're over there at the rectory. You you would think that'd be a safe place there. You wouldn't have to worry about it. One of the things, I, I'll be honest with you, Mark, this, this gets me so angry, is like when we had Jane Doe's podcast and talking about her son, and someone made a comment on social media. Well, if she'd paid more attention to what's going on with the kids, that was her responsibility, and I wanted, I wanted so bad to defend her, and that doesn't, it takes away from, from helping. But people seem to be so quick to judge when they have absolutely no idea of what goes on and how long a period of time this takes. Have you encountered that? Oh yeah, and you know, uh, I've been called everything under the book. You know uh, that you know I was homosexual. I was this. I was twelve years old. I. Was just reaching puberty myself, and so I didn't know what was going on. And this was like I got in a vortex. I mean, this it was like an out of body experience, and it, you become trauma bonded with these people. And then he used the sacrament of confession, and you know, it was all part of what I call groove in my brain. I have a major groove in my brain that I deal with to this day. And so uh, when I talk about it and, and try to make people understand it, I used to be, you know, get really upset when somebody countered me with it. And uh, I don't do that anymore because there are lots of people just do not want to accept the fact that a holy man would, would bring down all of his power to have access to children for sexual gratification. It that's just, what it amounts to. It, it also is one of these scenarios that people who have never gone through this, their minds don't think that way. And they can't imagine that someone would do these things. Here's a perfect example. My wife to this day will say to me, we'll hear about some horrific news story and about someone who murdered multiple people. A, a serial murder is a good example. A serial rapist, a serial murder, in my opinion, they're very similar. Very, very similar. But that's a topic for a different show. What I say to them is, your mind is a healthy mind. Your mind doesn't think that way. 
which is a good thing. You've never been exposed to this. You've never been victimized by this, which is a good thing. But that doesn't mean because you can't imagine it that it doesn't occur. That's correct. And and it's a sad situation that I happen to be one that fell into this trap. And as I said, there were many others. And as time went on, I've, I have met others that experienced the same thing I did. It's almost like a playbook uh, that they, you know, it, it, so, you know, I, I, I get it. It's just that the, you cannot, if you have not experienced this, you cannot, it's hard for your brain as an adult to accept the fact that a, another adult would do this and manipulate and, 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 and play this game all the time waiting to prey on children but that is it and that's they exist they do exist we're going to talk more about that we're going to talk about some red flags where he's at now and some of the challenges with investigating these types of claims if you've missed past episodes of the law enforcement today radio show never fear you can listen to them online as a podcast just go to our website letradioshow.com where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more that's letradioshow.com this is the law enforcement today's show don't go anywhere i promise you we'll be right back so many people ask me how did i transition from police work to a career in radio what did i do to become a music radio dj plus host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years, radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans, too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. I'm John J. Wiley. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show, and we're talking with Mark Valencia, uh, talking about his experiences. Uh, he was sexually abused, molested, raped, whatever terminology people want to use. Everyone used different terms and by a, a Catholic priest. Before we get into that, when I say everybody uses different terms, here's one of the questions I get all the time. People say, oh, you're retired police, and tell me about these laws in every state has different laws different terminology and and each crime has different elements to a crime so what i'm used to investigating in maryland is totally different oftentimes in mississippi even though they're based off common law one of the challenges is really difficult for a law enforcement officer and i'll be honest with you mark i never had to investigate these types of crimes and i'll be honest with you, i don't think i could 
but having investigated physical abuse with children, I remember doing that. And it was, I mean, kids as young as five. It was really hard, hard aspect of law enforcement to do. And one of the first things I tell people is you have to suspend your way of thinking as an adult. For example, when I'm 22, 23, 24, uh, I'm a sexual being. I think of things like that. When you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, a lot of times these kids have no concept of that. None. Well, I've actually come into contact with some victims of, uh, it was a whole family of, of female victims. And the priest, uh, was a Catholic priest, molested these children. Same situation, groomed the family, was over at the house constantly, uh, gave a lot of attention. And one of them was three years old. Yeah. Well, her explanation was, I, I didn't know what it was. You know, this was my life. This, this was my normalcy. So, you know, uh, and, and, and another thing, when you don't know how to process it, that's the key. When you're a child, you do not have the capability to process these things. You don't, I mean, I wouldn't have known what grooming was or, or like I said, I didn't know what, I never heard of a pedophile or anything of that nature. And so when, when this comes up, a child is completely wide open. You know, I think one thing I can say, I think that uh, we, we as survivors and advocates have made a change. The parents are going to take a little bit more different uh, angle now and keep a little bit better tight eye on their children. And, and should and and rightfully that. so. I, I, I don't care whether it's a school teacher. I don't care whether it's a bus driver. The scout leader, the, the clergyman, I don't care. You've got to look for certain things, and there's certain red flags that I become aware of later in life, and the result of policing had a lot to do with that. But there's certain red flags. When you said, for example, in your story, that the priest gave you a bass guitar, that should have been a huge radar alarms going off in people's heads that something really bad was going on or could be getting ready to happen. That's correct, but... Uh I don't think it was in the adult psyche at that time in the late 60s, and they thought he was just a very giving person, and, you know, they went along with it. As I said, they were groomed as well. Now, today, I think that would set up a red flag. Uh, I know in uh, some instances you can't be alone in in, uh, institutional environments. There's always got to be another adult, which I think is a great practice. I, I do uh, that personally. I, I'm a married guy, and here's a great example. I'm a married guy, and I act like a married guy all the time. So if I have to spend time with a woman at work, for example, in my office, I never do it by myself with the door closed. I don't want anybody to assume anything is wrong, but I don't want to put out anything that looks like even a, a, a whisper of potential that something could have happened. So there's got to be certain things that people have to look out for. As parents, what are some of the things that we should be looking out for as possible warnings and indicators that your child might be being groomed by a sexual molester? Well, I would just say in my own my own particular instance, it would just be the, the, the attraction to attention, the attention to a particular child, maybe some favoritism. Like I said, I was an altar boy. He got. He would get us, me and others, that would get us out of school sometimes to participate in a funeral. And even if we had to travel out of town for a funeral, 
just the special attention, the extra availability. I would say uh, another thing that I would be concerned with is touching, you know, in public. Uh, I'd be real leery of somebody that is real touchy-feely with a child. And so I I really think that's one thing I can say. I think our parents out there in today's world and in the church environment and other institutions, are paying a lot more attention to this, and uh, I, I think that's if we made a lot of headway, it's probably in that department. I think people are really watching, and uh, I, I would just be very, very cautious about leaving my child anywhere. I agree. Uh, I, under anybody's supervision. If I had a kid playing baseball or Little League, I'd be there to practice, yeah. me or my wife or whatever. And here's the one thing I always tell people, and I remember learning this. It was a, a class being taught, and it was about the different types of violent rapists. And what the person teaching the class said about was a young policeman at the time. And they said, always trust your God-given or nature-given or whatever terminology you want to use, instincts. If something about somebody is, is making the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, if something's not right, pay attention to those things. That's why they were given to you. If you're wrong, you can always apologize. If you're right and you ignore these things, people are going to get hurt. That's correct. I think you you hit the nail on the head. Then unfortunately, our, our children gut, don't have your those. Your gut tells you. Your gut tells you there's something wrong. You better pay attention to it. But when you're 12 or 10 or 11, you don't have that. You, you have a situation. No. You've got this person in a position of authority that's paying attention to me and treating me like I'm a special person. And I, don't we all crave that? Don't we all want to be appreciated? That's correct. Exactly correct. And so back in the day, you know, uh, that special attention was almost a reward. And so, uh, you know, over a period of time, I told somebody one time, uh, because he had a, a lady that cooked for him. I mean, he would, I got introduced to foods that I'd never heard of before. And I, you know, was just I don't know, man. It's just a really tough deal. The 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 aftermath of the psychological part of it. I've gotten over the abuse. I know what he was. He was a serial uh, rapist, and he got into a field where he'd have access to children. And it's sad to say, but he was allowed to have that access by the institution that actually covered up for it. Yeah. And but we got to pay special attention. We're, we're we're turning over a new leaf in the world because women are being taken advantage of vulnerable people adults are being taken advantage of children I, I saw where some kids from Argentina who were in a deaf school that were molested have come forward we have reports of one where my wife grew up in, in Hartford Connecticut they're going on for decades with multiple offenders that is being right. investigated as we speak you have Hollywood producers we talked about earlier. We have political movers and shakers. We have doctors that have done this. We have, and I don't, that's why I don't want people to get the wrong impression. Like, well, I'm not Catholic. I got nothing to worry about. Well, yeah, you do. You you do. Exactly. And and I hate to say this, but as a parent, it's our obligation to be on the lookout for these people because as as a 12 year old, you just don't have the defenses. You just don't have it. You don't have that street smart in you. You don't have life exp- experience to turn around and say, no, dude, this ain't happening. Most of us don't have that. Exactly. 
that that's age, exactly it's something. Right. I look now as a a sixty something man and go, dude, if some guy tried that with me, it'd be Knuckle City. Uh, but I'm a 60-year-old man, and I got 60 years worth of life experience. When I was an eight-year-old kid, I was a totally different guy. That's right. And I'm, I'm 65, and, and I question that little boy that I was all the time. And that's one of the legacies of this thing is that why did you allow this? But the, 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 matter, the process was that I didn't know any better. I didn't know what was going on, and you know, I have to forgive that child inside of me and Part of the process to heal is, for me, is to help others understand because that's the big journey for a lot of people is why me, why me. I hear it all the time, and, uh, you know, I, there's, I don't think there's any specific answer. That I don't, I don't have to. an answer, I don't, and not one that's good. If people want to reach out to you for more information, how do they get hold of you? Well, I'm at area code 601-953-2535. And if anybody in your audience wants to talk, has been had this experience and this tragedy in their life, I'll be glad to talk to them. And they want further help, uh, and they're out of my area, I can put them in touch. We have representatives all over the United States and the world. And so uh, I'll be glad to help anybody. You can go to snapnetwork.org. Well, Mark, thanks so much so, for uh, coming on and telling your story. I have to have you back in the future. All right, man. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Mm-hmm.